Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about WWE, Age of Empires, Definitive Edition, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, GT Sport, Call of Duty leaks, some things around loot boxes being regulated in the UK, and IGN and Humble Bundles merger, or let's just say acquisition of Humble Bundle by IGN. And apart from that, we'll be speaking about the games we've been playing this week. And to do all of that, we have podcast regulars, game editor Rishi Alwani. Good morning. And friend of the podcast, Mikhail Mandani. Rise and shine or sign. And I'm your host, Pranay Parab. And Rishi, you do realize that some of our listeners will be listening to us at night, right? So uh, that good morning thing will probably throw them off track for a bit. Even though I tell everybody like just good night, whether it's morning or night. Yeah, well, I mean, it's morning here and it feels like morning. And it's always morning when you're playing games or have good games to talk about. Which actually brings us to WWE 2K18. So and you said good games. Yeah, so it's actually surprisingly good. Uh, I mean, a lot of the improvements. So the gameplay is quite similar to the uh, debug build we played a week, couple of weeks ago. Uh, you can check out the full preview on the website, guys360.com. But uh, having said that, uh, the fact that they've rebuilt the engine from ground up does allow for a better frame rate for most part of it. The game feels a lot more responsive. It's easier to get into, easier to play, easier to pull off moves. The reversal system feels a lot more fluid too. Uh, all this is due to the fact that they're working on new tech. Uh, but that that doesn't mean the game is flawless. There are some issues in terms of frame rate and consistency. So you're either going to get a solid 60 frames per second while you're playing or drop down to 30 immediately if the game decides to go on a split screen. If you and your opponent are on opposite ends of the ring it'll end or opposite ends of the arena it'll end up going to split screen mode which halves your frame rate and this is something the devs uh, have spoken about uh, i think in an interview with uh, indian video gamer they did mention that uh, the that the they're looking at a lot trying to get a locked 60 frames but then it that doesn't seem to be the case at this point in time uh, they haven't managed to do that uh, game runs pretty well that aside so yeah, I mean, in terms of good games, it seems that we finally may have a decent wrestling game this year. And this is not even including the Road to Glory mode, which is based on their pay-per-view schedule. Yeah, so uh, in the last episode, I think, Mike, you mentioned that uh, you were playing as Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Uh, so no, that, they... that was me. I was Ultimate oh, yeah, Warrior. Yeah, so versus yeah. Triple H, yeah. right? Yeah, so uh, do they have all these retro wrestlers? Like, they I think do. They Ultimate do, but Warrior. the problem is uh, a lot of them haven't, like, for obvious reasons, they haven't been face-scanned. So, in a lot of cases, you have some wrestlers looking last-gen, some wrestlers looking really good. It's pretty inconsistent over there. But then, uh, just to clarify, when, when Mike means for obvious reasons, he's referring to the fact that uh, you, uh, what, what most listeners may not understand is that uh, wrestling games, much like FIFA, much like, uh, uh, much like NBA, are done on a yearly basis. And uh, also, you have to understand that most wrestlers, at least the current ones, they're they're on the road for I think 300, 350 days in the year. So getting them into the studio to do to do motion capture, to do fa- facial scan, doesn't exactly happen all the time. No, so uh, I get that for the mocap or motion capture point of view, that's yeah. totally fine. But the thing is, uh, like you just look at probably 10 characters on the 10 wrestlers on the roster, and you can you can tell like which ones have they put effort into their character model and what stuff yep. they've done like yep. that because uh, uh, like Triple H will look amazing because like. Triple H is now a very important person in both the management and in wrestling. But like uh, some of the classic stars, just not so much. It's uh, 
uh it's kind of like how some racing games you can tell when they've reused models uh <coughs> grand turismo and uh, well the old ones at least versus when they've got everything built from scratch like it's very evident and uh at least going by the the debug build i haven't started playing the final release yet uh but uh yeah it is a step in the right direction and like hopefully 2k19 will be a good game because uh right now they have a nice base to build on with like the new lighting a lot of new features added improved menus and stuff like that but uh, i mean commentary is just like so terrible you may as well turn it off while wrestling it's yeah, that- just it's just unbelievably bad and even if you have all of them in the room like they've gotten for recording this year they you can't make mistakes and say the wrong person's name when you do a finisher yep. i mean that's like basic stuff so yeah yeah all right so rishi i think uh, since we you, you already mentioned uh, south park uh, while ago uh, why, why don't we speak about that game first south park oh yeah so uh, so basically for those of you who've been well living under a rock or the stick of truth uh, there's a new south park game out this week called south park the fractured butthole fun fact uh, they originally wanted to call it uh, butthole of time but then that didn't work out because retailers were like we're not putting a game with the title butthole on there so they found a loophole to get the words butthole in by calling it south park fractured butthole but that lovely piece of trivia aside uh, the game is surprisingly good so uh, south park the fractured butthole is probably best part is its combat it's quite similar to uh, xcom meets paper mario in the sense that it's turn based it's on a grid so you have to uh, you you have a set number of uh, moves on the grid you can make each time and uh, in in it's similar to paper mario because even though it's turn based uh, you there is that window of opportunity to press a few buttons to get uh, to deal more damage to your opposition or to take less damage or to evade attacks so it works quite well it's essentially it essentially plays out like a game of chess but with superhero characters and it it works really well with the entire game uh, make uh, the game world so while the while 2014 south park the stick of truth was uh, bo- took inspiration from lord of the rings took inspiration from game of thrones this game takes uh, co- takes inspiration from the marvel cinematic universe from justice league so you have two factions in south park one is coon and friends which is their equivalent of the avengers and another one is freedom pals which is well the equivalent of of the justice league and you're the new kid you have to choose which side you want to be on do you want to be with eric cartman aka coon and friends do you want to be with uh kenny aka mysterio who's who's mysterion who's basically running uh, freedom pals so you have to take your you have to choose a side and what happens is an all out civil war but at the same time there's a greater conspiracy as always because this is south park so what hap- the the backdrop of the game is that all the cats in town have gone missing but you're only but but you're fixated on getting this one cat which has a 100 dollar prize cash reward which you want to use towards furthering your netflix franchise netflix series of your uh faction so they they they've not just parodied superheroes and superhero uh you know tropes such as you know having a character sheet having a sad origin story having a weakness but they've also decided to take it a step further by parodying the entire fact that every superhero franchise has to have a netflix show every superhero franchise has to have a ma- a, a, a massive number of movies so it brings all that into it and it's pretty cool it's well written it's fun to play uh probably one of the better games this year we've have a full review on the site gadgetsy60.com yeah you can check it out but uh as it stands it's probably one of the cooler games to check out this year uh definitely a lot of fun I, y- the thing is but one thing to keep in mind though if you're not a fan of south park this won't sell you on it so there are a few things in the game which uh i mean if you if you haven't been watching the show you might not get like you, you like for example i find it immediately funny that a character called towley runs a medical uh runs a medicinal mar- runs a marijuana stall 
and that's funny because Tawali is known as the druggy character in the show. So the fact that he's doing that makes it innately funny. And that's something you'll get if you watch the show. Or uh, I also ended up laughing a lot when the game tells you you can hit enemies for making microaggressions, which, you know, they can say something as run home and cry to your mommy. But that's known as a microaggression because it's inner term politically incorrect for someone to say that. So you can get a free hit and hit them. That I find funny because, yes, I watch the show. But is it something which most people get? Well, honestly, you have to be watching the show to get it. So... It's great, but recommended reservations. If you're a fan of it, you love it. If you want to get in a South Park, yeah, great way to get into it. So it's that kind of game. Hmm, okay. And since we're talking about good games, uh, why don't we speak about Gran Turismo Sport as well? At oh, the yeah. Same so time? for those, for the uninitiated, Gran Turismo Sport is a simulation racer. And I think uh, our men, Mike and Pranay, have spent a colossal amount of time playing it for the PlayStation 4. And uh, well, what do you guys think? Well, um... How do I put it? Now, Forza 7 is a great game in many ways. Like it's, But it's buried under layers of you know people trying to make too much money and greed and whatnot. Yeah. But GT Sport, on the other hand, at least the like, build both me and Mike played, uh, pretty damn good. Like They actually go out of their way to try and teach you how to play the game. So I noticed that you know when I was playing in Forza 7, I'm not a very skilled uh, sim race driver yet. So what I was doing was I was driving all my cars as if it was Forza Horizon 3 and going like all aggressive on the corners and all and trying to ram into opponents to overtake them. Whereas in GT Sport, like I actually went to their driving school and learned so many new things like how to turn a car properly, how to like make sure that you don't slow down and in corners and you know the straights are not the only place where you're gaining time. So because of doing all of those things, I actually became a better sim race car driver. So I mean, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I did Forza 7. Um, I don't know. What what do you think, Mike? So, uh, what I like about, like you mentioned, this driving school thing where they teach you the basics and they literally start with the basics where uh, you just drive 100 meters straight and then after that you just take a turn or you drive avoiding obstacles and all. <clears throat> this is good because for one, you get rewarded with like in-game experience and currency and you get to unlock some stuff. But uh, it's actually very good because like for uh, like with Forza 7, I tried playing with the assist on, then I switched to them off and then I just like just continued with like some tweaks here and there to get it to a custom setting but over here like i felt like playing with the assist off more because once they like once you go through the driving school you just feel a little more confident in uh, this sim racing i'd say uh while i do enjoy how project cars handles it it really project cars does not play good with a controller it still feels really weird it's kind of like uh, some fighting games which uh, just feel weird on a controller and you know they're built for a fight stick. Project R still feels like it was built for a wheel. Uh, GT Sport is like perfect. It, like I haven't tried it with a wheel obviously but it just plays amazing with a controller. Uh, a lot of stuff is really good. Like one of the most shocking things is uh, when they initially revealed it, it, I literally made fun of it. I said it looks like some late PS2, early PS3 game because a lot of it looked terrible in the original reveal but now it looks fantastic except for the trees in the daytime which suddenly it's like it's like the wrestling thing only where you suddenly see this thing where you're like oh looks like they couldn't scan this in or something but yeah uh when you're playing this like say the tokyo track in the night it just uh, looks yeah, amazing tokyo then, expressway yeah it looks, yeah, it really looks good, amazing yeah. in the night and then this is a game which runs at 60 fps on the base ps4 let alone the ps4 pro so really good really impressed with it and i think it has the best uh like ui in a racing game ever uh, I don't know. I mean, I played a bit of the beta and not a fan of that wannabe mouse cursor 
acting it as going yeah, for exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I like don't have a problem I, with that because yeah. a lot of games I play have that. So, uh, so basically clicker games. What? Yeah, clicker games or visual novels usually have that. But then for a racing game... Which visual simple. novels has a mouse pointer on the screen? The ones on PC. But point is... Not really. Some of them do. But point is... Have you just, even played a visual novel? Exactly. So point is, it just it's just like... I don't know. It's just dated. It feels dated. Especially when you compare it to UI of other games like Forza. It just feels super dated. Yeah, that, but the thing yeah, is, I agree. The Forza UI literally lags. Uh, not on PC after a patch. Okay, so on after PC the patch, gameplay yeah. lags. No, so on PC which... on PC and console and console for Forza you deal with. Hey, do you want to buy microtransactions for every uh, swipe of the UI? Yeah, that's no. Like for, I'm not even talking about the microtransactions here. It just feels like it's focused. Get into the race. It has like uh, a slideshow of like car history and all playing and all. It's like very well thought out and very well done. Okay, fine. Like fair enough. You don't like the mouse thing, but like. That was totally fine with me. It's just designed well. Fonts are used properly and all. It doesn't feel like it was... Uh, it feels like they've actually taken feedback to heart from everyone criticizing GT5 and like those prologue games and all that stuff. Yeah, because even GT6 suffered from some of these issues. I'm it's still like, surprised yeah. they released GT6 on PS3 when the PS4 was out like your Sony or not Atlas. So. Yeah, but at the end of it, uh, also you have to keep in mind that... Uh, for for the biggest challenge that the developer Polyphony's had was the move to HD. So while they're super prolific in the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 days, and on the PlayStation 1, we saw Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo 2. We probably saw a bunch of A-Spec games. On, uh, on the PS2, we saw Gran Turismo 3, Gran Turismo 4, plus another bunch of A-Spec games. Um, with the, with with move the move to HD and the PS3, they they were always they had a few issues in terms of getting the tech to work. I mean, a lot of Japanese so, developers had issues like yeah. moving to PS3, not just because of the architecture, but in general. Yeah. So that's fine, but it, it's just funny that like first party like flagship racing game is coming out for the last console. And I and one thing I I I won't be surprised to see is that I won't be surprised if we only get a single Gran Turismo game this generation simply because of the way they're also taking it forward where they want to turn into a platform well, you know, like everything else this generation. Except this one has a real shot of working out considering how well Gran Turismo 6 and Gran Turismo 5 did and how people are still playing those games till this day. Uh, so I w- so yeah, it could end up being one of those you know games as a platform bets that actually works out for all parties involved. I I think, but people need to realize that uh, this isn't like a full fledged single player racing game. Do not buy it expecting a ton of cars or ton of tracks. There's like it's pretty limited in that aspect. Like uh, I think it has under 170 cars. Uh, it has only 16 different locations, and there are variants of these locations, but there's no dynamic weather. So, so wait. Uh, as someone who plays racing games like once, uh, like very rarely, uh, 170 cars is little. A uh, Forza 7 has 700 last I checked. Yeah, but And how- Forza 7 covers like classic cars, retro cars, modern cars and all. Uh, like some of the older Gran Turismo games, they used to like advertise, oh, we have thousand cars and all. But like a lot yes. of those were just like different variants of the same car. So now they've said they've... Uh, created everything from the ground up so they've got new models and all and you can tell like the cars probably look better than anything else the yeah they do is also insanely good yeah and so, also like the driving experience with each car is actually markedly different it's not like you said another variant thing yeah. uh, it doesn't happen anymore so if you drive for example a, a mitsubishi lancer and then you switch to a nissan gtr you can easily tell the difference like each car drives 
so differently like it's uh, like some cars will be like heavy at the back so you just have to like make sure that you're not spinning out of control at every curve whereas others will be just like gliding across corners so like uh, there's a lot there's a lot to really like over here but then there's another thing you need to remember that there's a heavy focus on online and this uh extends to the single player stuff also like the whole campaign which we're talking about driving school and all uh, you can only play it when the servers are live and they've said this because of and when your internet connection is live yeah and when your internet connection is live so if you're actually playing the game offline or when the servers are off uh you can access this thing called the arcade mode which is like a separate experience completely which lets you or play time trials drifts custom races split screen and do a vr thing haven't tried vr yet because don't have ps vr uh that's all offline it nothing carries over to the online uh everything you do online will earn you progress and xp and all that you cannot earn anything offline uh library editors no, that's not entirely true online. that's not entirely true the offline stuff you do earn mileage points which is just you know the number of kilometers you drive So uh, you can't actually use it to buy stuff right yeah you i don't think you, you can, can i don't but, think you can buy cars but, with it uh, so. yeah but you can like uh, your level increases definitely like you uh, in to reach uh, i don't know exactly how mileage points affects things i should have checked that i'm sorry but yeah there is some like three levels of progression one is you get money second is you get experience points yeah. and the third is mileage so like you definitely earn mileage points in in even in the arcade mode however like all the important things are not there like yeah uh, like uh, and the main mode is the sport mode which lets you like you have to do this etiquette course and all like it's very serious and very focused on all and there is obviously a lobby system where you can play with friends and stuff so uh, if you're buying this just expect to play a lot of it multiplayer and play almost everything online Oh. Yeah, see the single player campaign also has its moments like apart from the driving school which is great for people who don't know how to drive uh, you know a sim racer um, but there is this uh, challenge mode where like they'll put you in various scenarios which I really enjoyed so they'll put you at the back of the pack and tell you that you have to finish first uh, within one lap and things like that then you have to actually drive a like proper perfect race to get to that place and it is quite challenging and i definitely enjoyed that one a lot and then apart from that there is a circuit mode uh, where like each circuit you are asked to like uh, drive a really fast and perfect lap so that you know you get that gold medal so all these things are give you more than enough to do even in the single player campaign but obviously gt um, is a franchise that is known for its esports and competitive gaming and uh, like basically playing online multiplayer so that is the main mode you would want to focus on but even if you don't it's not like there isn't uh, there aren't things to do uh, i th- i would say that at least uh, there are 20 to 30 hours of uh things to do in even in the single player mode and if you want to get the gold medal in everything and if you want to like uh beat everything properly then you you might even end up spending around 40 hours in just the single player mode so yeah i mean i i definitely like the fact that you know a game with such a focus on esports and competitive gaming is uh, so well done even in the single player side of things i mean always online thing aside my my only complaint with this game is literally that that it's online like always online so i don't know like i obviously that's a complaint but i would have wanted like seeing how well drive club did it seeing how forza also does it like a proper dynamic weather system i mean that's like something which you expect in a racing game but uh, the thing is like if you look at the three big racing games of the year project cars 2 uh, while great does not play it too well with a controller i have no idea how it plays on keyboard and mouse frankly can't imagine people using that for this thing uh forza 7 uh it it's been patched quite a few times i still cannot download some reward cars uh i tried as earlier i mean as recent as 3 hours ago before this podcast recording still cannot download some reward cars uh still has uh, not been patched with the vip upgrade like to make vip how it originally was as far as i know 
still has microtransactions all over the i mean not microtransactions uh a nudge to buy price creates all over the place uh, definitely charged me on the experience gt sport while it does a lot right again you have an online thing so like i'd say yeah gt sport is the best of the three uh as a package overall with this conditions apply which says when the servers are live yeah. and when the servers do not go down uh, i'd still say like if you had to pick up a racing game today and you haven't bought anything in the last 2 or 3 years pick up forza horizon 3 I think I'd have to agree with that. I mean, if you don't have a PS4, yeah, pick up Forza Horizon 3. If you do have a PS4 only, then probably consider Drive Club. But uh, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. And honestly, uh, yeah, the sticking point for me is the always online aspect. Uh, frankly, I don't think we're at that stage yet where connectivity is reliable enough. And let's be honest, the game is out in India tomorrow on the 18th. It's out in the US today. It's out in Japan on the 19th. I guarantee you, when this is out. and in the hands of millions of people expect what usually happens servers to be down and then and then we're going to have the colossal uh you know uh, the usual angry resentment from fans who bought the game and can't play it and that's going to just continue happening yeah so, yeah yeah man it's really sad to see them putting single player elements behind an online thing and saying that this is to like sync your progression and what not keep everything fair and stuff like that yeah. they need yeah. to realize that uh, yeah. This is a grand reason. This is the first grand reason game on PS4. This is a big deal for a lot of people. They're going to buy it regardless of everything and they're probably going to be disappointed even though they should do a bit more research. Yeah. But it's a grand reason game on PS4 like you basically buy it if you exactly. have a PS4. So I mean this is basically the racing game equivalent of Hitman and how Hitman for the immersive sim genre or kind of messed up. So let it'll be to me and given how poor the Hitman experience was it'll be i'm very i'm going to be very interested to see how this pans out in the weeks to come the thing i would say about it is uh, while we had while we've been playing it over the last few days uh, even when the servers did go down uh, you weren't prompted like hitman where it just tries to connect and get stuck and stuff like that like they've thought this out like i'll say this again like the ui the interface and all is really well done according to me they've uh, and oh yeah the most important thing uh, if you like for car photography the scapes mode like blows everything else ever in terms of a photo mode where you can literally place these car models which they've made in real life locations move it around adjust stuff and all and uh, i guarantee you most people won't be able to tell the difference between like real life and these pictures so it's really well done but uh, as far as i can tell in in race there's no actual photo mode while you're driving you can only do it in the replay and uh, replays look fantastic as expected so yeah yeah that they do all right then moving on since we like ended this one on a slightly sour note uh, let's talk about uh, other things that are really sad that is uh, microsoft has delayed age of empires definitive edition from uh, its original launch date which is supposed to be october 19th to now early 2018 in double quotes yeah that's uh, aren't you glad you didn't build a pc for this yeah man i was really <laughs> going yeah, to spend a lot of money on that pc thank god i did not so yeah a couple of things this is very disturbing that this is a last minute essentially this is a last minute delay yeah so they announced this on october 13th if i'm not mistaken yeah and that was 14th in india yeah, by the time they announced yeah, it yeah. so it's actually quite like shocking to see that you know you you don't know that the game is getting delayed until about 5 days out like really exactly and on top of that they're saying there's going to be a beta for it or uh, yeah, beta for beta. a release yeah. is uh, this is very disturbing considering that it's is they essentially have the source code 
they essentially yeah. have the game they have everything just like upscale everything to 4k and that's it you're uh, done i think there must be more to it i think probably this has to do with the fact of that they want to move everything to uwp which is their own you know universal windows uh, protocol situation also uh, the team working on it on their forums they've specifically said that uh, it will be exclusive to the windows store to integrate with xbox live functionality to the best Hmm. to give the best experience and all which is uh, a little funny because uh, killer instinct launched on steam with xbox functionality so and cross play so but they still claim that age of empires definitive edition will be exclusive to the windows store i think uh, the delay it makes sense like you do not want to release anything in october because look at the amount of triple a games coming out which people are buying like anyway uh, releasing only on the windows store is going to have less sales than steam or like gog also for that matter you you'd want it to be released in like a uh, a less crowded period a lot of games have been getting delayed from this year to early 2018 i wouldn't be surprised if it releases in jan jan is like the safest place to release a game like this because yeah. not much stuff releases in jan yeah they should release it before far cry 5 uh, because i think that's fair right yeah yeah but then i don't see there's it. no overlap really yeah i don't right. i don't see an overlap with far cry What could happen though is that if Blizzard or uh, Blizzard decides to release a, an RTS, then yeah, there could be a problem. I think, but uh, I don't see it being an issue. This might be a little optimistic or like thinking too far out, but uh, they've been saying multiple times that mouse and keyboard support is coming to Xbox One. I think this might be something which would launch on Xbox One, which would be amusing to see because uh, yeah, I mean, games like Overwatch will have a massive problem then. No, not no, really. no, it's not just that. Like. Uh, Obviously Phil Spencer's like no no we want to give everyone the power and all like quote unquote pro consumer which is like hilarious stuff coming from him but uh, I think like you can just have it like Overwatch can if they if it's there on a native level where it's actually uh, built into the OS I'm sure they'll have a way where you can disable it so Overwatch will just patch that out to be fair Yeah but I I think the the interesting thing is here is if they bring it to Windows uh, bring it to Xbox at the same time uh, how many people on Xbox will actually care because at the end a of the day a lot will because halo wars 2 while it didn't actually sell like a gazillion copies it did well and it has an active player base yeah but still. then again halo wars 2 also is been has been made on the, from the ground up for controller so maybe that's why this thing has been delayed right so you're like saying maybe controller. They, i'm saying it's a possibility this is just thinking Possibly. far out because why would you delay it so late like i mean uh, one of the recent games that got delayed one day before release which is like this uh, japanese game called ease 8 where the pc version got delayed just to later this year or early 2018 or whatever one day before release where people who played the beta said it was completely broken and they were mm. shocked that it's going to get shipped in this state meanwhile it runs perfect on vita and ps4 so the companies do these late delays but i have a feeling the i have a feeling it's not just for working on the port because it's not going to take so long man or here's why it's because they want to patch in a battle royale mode like every other game into age of empire maybe they want to have prize crates for getting cobra cards that's We more like or, or perhaps uh, uh, yeah this is the first one so cobra cards are not there but there oh, yeah. is a, a guy with a photon torpedo nuclear bomb type thing i think the cheat code is photon man or i think the only other reason more plausible explanation is maybe they want to give pubg a larger 
uh, runtime and you know you want to make sure that gets all the limelight but that that's not even releasing in october november. we don't even have a release date for it like it's it probably will release in november if they're smart because december is a, not a good time to release games after early december so uh, i don't know what they're doing i mean i don't think there's any overlap between age of empires and pubg on xbox one at least possibly if it was coming on xbox one then yeah i'd agree but pubg is on xbox one not windows 10 age of empires is only windows 10 so maybe marketing resources maybe they just want to give that game a larger show at uh, and that too it's uh, windows 10 creators update only not yeah. before there's that. also the possibility that they'll pull what a lot of publishers do where uh, once age of empires definitive edition releases if you pre-order and you buy it they'll give you early access to age of empires 4 beta or stuff like this it happens yeah, so often possible. because that's a big release for sure that's by relic yep. so that's a big release and this is something which could move sales also because you have people who want to try the new age of empires stuff yep, so yep. yeah no yep. and then in the lead up to that i think they will also release the uh, age of empires 2 3 4k remasters um the de- i think they would call them definitive editions as well so yeah that's quite possible I, if you go to their uh, closed beta sign up page you'll see that uh, the closed beta sign up is open for age of empires 1 and uh, above that in separate tabs there is 2 3 and 4 in roman numerals written so obviously like they are working on all of these one by one and i think ending it's going to be something like that going from dark age to imperial age anyway my age of empires references are done let's move on to call of duty and all the leaks around cod world war 2 all right so uh I think last week sometime Call of Duty World War II had its PC beta. And uh, the great thing about PC betas and the great thing about PCs in general, at least until Microsoft has its way, is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, end users can start data mining the files and figure out what to expect in the full game. So Matt props to a Reddit user called uh, that 232 guy who basically uh, decided to post a massive info dump of what to expect. Uh, now, there's a lot of usual things here, right? There's the classes such as the offense class, support class, medic class, control class, which are there in the game. There, there are the usual, usual things like perks that you'd expect, which uh, lets you revive users uh, and uh, allows you to cooperate with others to get you more revives. Uh, there's others which let you use infinite sprint. There's one which gives you a random blitz. So these are the basic stuff. Then there are even class perks and mods, which let's say... Uh, or gives medics uh, invulnerability for one hit while reviving a teammate, or, you know, quite basic stuff. Like, okay, you know, you can equip a flamethrower and stuff like that. That's really, that's fine. But what's interesting, though, is uh, features related to everyone's hot topic of discussion, loot crates. So they're going to be, now, like most respectable Call of Duty games, Call of Duty World War II has a zombie mode, which basically implies that you and three other friends can take on the hordes of undead in endless waves or at least a set number of waves that seem infinite anyway uh so what happens is nazi zombies in world war ii will feature consumables that can be bought by the player as well as earned and delivered via loot crates known as zombie crates loot crates are uh, come in varying degrees of rarity so you have common rare legendary and epic and uh, common ones can be used one time in a match while the Epic ones can be used four times in a match. So obviously between them, you have rare, which can be used twice, and legendary that can be used thrice. And there are five types of consumables you can get from these crates, right? There's discounts, weapon guarantees, power-ups, and special weapons and abilities. Uh, So this is an interesting addition because uh, firstly, for for a variety of reasons. One, uh, it 
introduces an element of randomness to a cooperative mode, which I think is really cool. Personally, I think it's fun because you can you, you if if the chips are down, you are, you get up getting a, a good loot car, loot crate. It could basically turn the tide of battle. I think that's fun. But uh, what we don't know is how this is going to be implemented. If it's, we don't know if it's going to be a pay-to-win mechanic. We don't know if this is on within game currency. That is unknown at this point in time. And that is one of the major things that uh, this uh, leak implies that, you know, you have the fact that uh, there are going to be loot crates. That aside, there are some other interesting additions, uh, particularly in terms of uh, multiplayer, in terms of multiplayer maps, uh, where in, uh, well, uh, these might not be in the final build of the game, but this is what was data mined, where you essentially have 13 maps and you have a war mode, which basically, uh, which basically uh, lets you take on a, a massive map and various objectives on the map, similar to Gal Galactic Assault in Star Wars or uh, Battlefield 1's operations mode. So, and th there's like a word by word description on each of these operations which is really cool basic stuff like you know uh, escorting engineers defending against german counteroffensive destroying flak cannons stuff like that so the long story short uh, it essentially seems like uh, this edition of world war 2 seems to be the most visceral and feature packed yet and if there's one thing you can you can't blame uh, uh, activision with is that with each call of duty game there's been a lot of content good or bad is another story but there's a lot of it to go by so yeah uh seems to be interesting though the loot crate part uh will be fun to see how it's earned and how it's got and how much of it will require to shell out cash but uh yeah seems like an interesting uh, affair that aside there is one of the usual stuff in where uh, you can prestige zombie mode prestige basically means you max out your level that's something that's going to be possible. Uh, there are cutscenes. There's uh, basically new unlocks, which uh, lets you get weapon lockers and mystery boxes, which gives you new random weapons at each time uh, for a fixed price. Now, again, we don't know if that fixed price refers to in-game currency or uh, microtransactions. But yeah, seems to be a very interesting state of affairs. Perhaps a lot of things that Activision don't want to let know right now. But yeah, loot crates, which I think brings us to the next topic. Yeah, so I would really ask you to like rush through these two uh, because we're running long here. So yeah, apparently the UK government has decided to step in and like bring some legislation around these loot boxes. Yes. Well, not yet. Not it's yet. Just, so just, the topic has been brought up in Parliament. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, my understanding is that in the US, the ESRB said no. Okay. Right? So uh, the rating systems and the governments are not exactly the same thing. No, they're not. So in the US, they follow the ESRB rating. Ratings and if you bought any game from or imports from the US, you'll see like uh, teen or E for everyone or M for mature. Those are what ESRB uses. So they've straight up said that uh, they're not going to take that into consideration for their ratings. In the UK and in turn India for almost every release, the PEGI rating system applies. So you'd have like PEGI 3 for uh, like games which are for everyone then you'd have peggy 16 or peggy 18 18 would be for games like the evil within wolfenstein 2 and stuff like that the mature games uh they've also said that uh, they will not be taking this into consideration for their rating because uh uh and but yeah like a lot it's become quite the hot topic now which started with uh, shadow of war forza 7 and stuff like that now so big sites have been covering it it's been getting a lot of press so yeah Tell us what's happened. Recently. So uh, TLDR, basically, a UK member of parliament has asked the government uh, what's uh, what 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 are they planning to do 
to protect vulnerable adults and children from illegal gambling, in-game gambling, and loot boxes within computer games? That is the first part of the question. The second question is, uh, what uh, what's the UK government doing to enhance protections against illegal and in-game gambling and loot boxes? Uh, and uh, essentially, that's what that's where it comes to. So th- these questions were submitted by Daniel Zekner, MP of the Labour Party. And uh, it just focuses around the fact that this is a thing. Uh, how are you going to protect people around it? What are the safeguards in place? Now, as Mike said, uh, the the game industry bodies like PEGI and ESRB claim that it's not gambling. And however, none of them have the authority to define what gambling is in the respective countries they operate in. They're able to define what gambling is from a gaming and product standpoint, but not as per the law. It's basically as per product. And what now, since we're already seeing government intervention in in developed markets like the UK, there will be a trickle-down effect in other countries. There will be a trickle-down effect in in in. in, in in nations like the US. And that in turn will also impact how gaming is viewed and perceived and perhaps how it's even sold in India. It might not happen this year, but it will trickle down because the way I see it panning out is, uh, let's be honest here, in the last couple of years, we've seen way too many games with uh, with an element of chance or an element of randomness. And uh, if you look at countries that are faces like Japan, legislation stepped in in almost a year, year and a half. Now, unless, uh, for the lack of a better term, unless publishers can keep it in their pants, we might just see more legislation in this direction. So, yeah, because China and Japan have seen it happen. It's just a matter of time before this sorts itself out. I think even if they do, like, talk about the drop rates and stuff for the legendary and exotic items, as they call it, uh, I don't know how much that's going to make a difference because uh, while people are focusing on games like Forza and Shadow of War, they are forgetting that the the big game that actually brought this into AAA gaming, I'd say, is uh, FUT. Yeah, exactly. Which, FIFA Ultimate yeah, Team. Yeah, FIFA Ultimate Team, team uh, which still is prevalent. Like, it's uh, along with NBA, like, these are the games on Nintendo Switch where you can buy, like, microtransactions with in-game currency and stuff. And you literally have uh, deluxe editions of FIFA, which give you special packs every week for a set amount of months. And also, yeah, that's the game which started all of this. Yep. Hmm. Okay then, so finally, I think we're talking about Humble Bundle being acquired by IGN. (laughs) Yeah, hello, conflict of interest. So for those of you who are unaware, Humble Bundle uh, for for the last couple of years has been a platform of sorts for game developers to uh, essentially, you know, uh, sell their games and donate to charity at the same time. And uh, has been a good platform for discoverability as well. Off late, uh, the people running Humble Bundle have also branched out into publishing, where they help independent developers publish their games, get them to a larger audience. And they seem to be doing fairly well. They've been fairly popular, been in existence for, I think, the last five to seven years. And uh, they've ended up doing a lot of good, in my opinion, at least in terms of uh, getting people aware of certain causes. Now, uh, what's happened is IGN, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, IGN is short for Imagine Game Network for some reason, but uh, not ignorant as some people think, uh, is essentially, uh, the has, a, has basically bought Humble Bundle. Now, this has some interesting implications because uh, IGN's, IGN reviews games, now, would they actually end up reviewing games from Humble Bundle or not would be very amusing to see because, you know, they essentially bought Humble Bundle and that would be a massive conflict of interest. So it's kind of like a reverse of what's happened of what happened when uh, GameStop, which is the UK, which is one of the world's biggest game retailers based in the US, when they bought Game Informer, uh, which is one of the biggest game magazines around. So it kind of seems like that. 
kind of seems like the reverse version of that and uh, it just brings in a lot of questions as to how this would uh, end up uh, if impacting IGN if at all more than humble for that matter considering you know IGN has the base it does and has the audience it does so yeah that happened and it's just weird I think like uh, it would have made a bigger difference to me personally if this had happened like a year or uh, maybe more than two years ago because uh, when Humble started out, it was really good value. Get games that you probably haven't heard of. Get DRM-free versions. Get good indie games, basically. Over the years, they've been... Like, I remember Humble Assassin's Creed bundle, and I'm like, there's nothing humble about Assassin's Creed. There is. You stalk from the shadows. Okay. And then they've basically gone remember from your what they started, which was, like, giving nice bundles and all. Now they have, like, a ton of bundles. Most of them are pretty trash. And they've just become a storefront, basically. And they have a humble monthly subscription, which gives you sort of like PS Plus or Xbox Live, where you actually get to keep the games. You can cancel at any time. But uh, they've basically lost track of what made them great in the first place, I think. So I'm not I'm not a fan of what they've been doing recently. Uh, I haven't bought a game from them in over a year. So like this, this is okay. Like I'm just okay with this. Doesn't really matter. Uh, I think when you said that will IGN review games that Humble sells, like Humble basically sells almost everything now. But not what they sell, what they publish. Oh, okay, fine. That's going to be an amusing situation. I don't even know if they'll continue doing that at this exactly. rate. Exactly. Uh, yeah, like uh, in the start, it would have made a bigger difference if they got bought out because like this was a good place where you got good games and all. Now it's just, I mean, they have, they've had some really, really bad bundles recently. So, yeah. Alright then, finally we move on to the most exciting part of this podcast, which is Mike's Weird Games section. Not really. Come on Mike, you stop playing weird games. What is this? You're going away from your roots. October is AAA month, man. And yet I'm playing Stardew Valley on Nintendo Switch. More like Stardew Valley, but okay. Why did you buy it then? I just thought, just to, so I could be a part of the conversation and say Stardew Valley. Okay. It's kind of like... I'm, I'm sure that was yeah. worth it. Exactly. So for, yeah, it's, I mean, I've been playing it as well, but. Yeah. Sure you have. <laughs> yeah. It's like, meh. So yeah, I've just been playing that. Uh, my Switch in-game timer shows 25 plus hours into it uh, in uh, like nine days of playing it or whatever. So really good. Uh, I even tried playing it on the PS4 and like just to see how it felt after playing it in handheld mode on the Switch for a while. And it does play the same basically, but uh, yeah, I haven't been able to get into it on Steam or PS4. So uh, basically stop doing the actual farming in the game and only doing fishing because it's easier to make money fishing than farming. And uh, some interesting things are happening, which I would call spoilers for even the people who don't care much about spoilers. It's just that this game is immense value for money. And yeah, basically that. Hmm. Okay, that's it. You haven't played anything else. Nothing really of How's the Talos Principle which released on iOS? I've played totally 15 minutes of it and uh, I just bought it to check out the port. Port seems decent. Uh, I'm on the iPad Air 2 which is like more than three years old now. And uh, it runs like it runs slightly worse than the PS4 version. Obviously it doesn't run at native resolution because the iPad Air 2 has like 2048 by 1536. But uh, did a few puzzles really good. Uh, I'd say it's a very good port. Like I played it with touch controls also, not just uh, the using a MFI made for iOS controller. So pretty good so far. I'd say it's really interesting that we now have the Witness and Talos Principle, which are two of the best puzzle games ever on iOS. So And that too, Talos Principle is just at 400 rupees. Uh, it's expensive on 
pretty much every other platform that we know of right and it's also like a i think you'd get about like 20 to 30 hours of in game content for that price with talos i'd say more it's it's super value i'd say you can get almost as much game time as you would from the witness i still rate the witness higher because it's just how open it is and it gives you the freedom to do whatever you want over here it's more like you have an open esk world where you have different sets of levels and you pretty much have to solve a certain number before you can move on to the next ones or uh, they haven't actually uh, announced plans for the dlc they said they will look into it depending on how this does the dlc is something which i found super hard on uh, ps4 when i played it uh, i like couldn't even do the first three levels in that after finishing the game it's just too too complicated but uh, the game is uh, if you played portal which you probably have it's very similar to that uh, this one has its own overarching narrative which you unlock through computer terminals and from just narration which goes on uh, and there's a cat in the game so yeah that's all you need to know um okay then all right so i've been playing mostly uh, gt sport and then vis- revisited a bit of uh, pyre once again and yeah that game is still fun like i'm about i think i'm at the I'm about maybe the progress counter shows about 50% which means that I'm almost through with the main storyline like I haven't bothered much with the side quests and all so I'll finish that by next week hopefully and then I'll have my story to tell and um, other than that yeah I, I will be playing the Talos principle I bought it but didn't get time to play because GT Sport um yeah and interestingly I because I had like a you know uh, I borrowed a gaming laptop for reviewing Age of Empires definitive edition uh, since that didn't show up I went ahead and installed all the other Age of Empires like 2 3 uh, I think even Age of Mythology so yeah what about uh, Rise of Nations the real good one uh, so I haven't installed that yet but okay. I have it like I bought it so uh, yeah these mostly I'll be playing these over the Diwali weekend uh, that's coming right now so I'll have a long tale to tell about my Age of Empires re experience So yeah, Rishi, what have you been playing? Well, uh, aside from South Park the Fractured but whole which oh, we discussed Oh, you gave up gaming that means. Hate. <laughs> uh which I discussed at length at the very beginning. Uh, I've been playing a bit of WWE which we also discussed at length at the very beginning. And uh aside from those two, well, um little else. Uh fingers crossed all goes well, might be diving into a game which would be under embargo soon enough. uh more details when that happens i'm pretty sure you guys can guess what it could be it's a big title at the end of the month nights of azure 2 bride hey. of the new moon i'm sure that's the <laughs> game <laughs> and uh aside from that started off with uh two visual novels much to my dismay uh danganronpa v3 and uh, chaos child uh and yeah mike is like turning away in disgust because the roles have effectively been switched at this stage and uh yeah they seem interesting to start off with don't want to say too much right now need some more time you know get into them but yeah i got those two on the plate as well so it's october what can i say there are a lot of games to play yeah we really should apologize for this it's october we have been playing too many triple a games uh, can't really help it sorry general, yeah by november we'll be back to our usual weird games schedule unlikely but yeah When we are not talking about you. Let's see. Need for Speed, Star Wars, Battlefront. It's all right. Uh, Mike and I will still be back like to all the weird games. Oh, no one cares about Call of Duty. <gasps> yeah, I said that. <gasps> right then, that's all we have for this episode of Transition, <laughs> and we will see you with another episode next week. 
in the meantime you can write to us at podcast at catches360.com and if you want if you like this podcast then you can rate us on itunes your ratings really help us a lot the music for this podcast comes via magnus solai paulson whose album ppp ppp is where the tracks are from and thank you so much for listening and gadgets 360 wishes you a very happy and safe diwali